Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of the Business Success and Coffee podcast. And it's special for two reasons. As you know, one of my aims of this podcast is to get my hero business authors as guests. And today I've done that. The other thing is to make sure that you get exceptional value. And this guy delivers value in bucket loads. And I know that you're going to take so much away from this episode. Today, listeners, I'm joined by Bob Berg. And Bob speaks with entrepreneurs and sales professionals throughout the world on how to build powerful business relationships, effectively communicate their value and cultivate endless referrals. He is the co-author of the international bestseller, The Go-Giver, which has sold more than one million copies and has been translated into 30 languages. Bob is also the co-founder of the Go-Giver Online Community Network. He is an unapologetic animal fanatic, and I'm sure I'm going to ask him a little bit about that later. He is also an outspoken advocate of entrepreneurship and the free market and believes that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to the number of people that they serve. So welcome to today's podcast, Bob. It's great to have you here, as I mentioned and before I go into the questions, I've, I've got to mention the unapologetic animal fanatic. Before we start talking about business and coffee, tell us a little bit about what is meant by that. Well, I just love, love animals. Uh, always had them uh, growing up. Uh, and I, I, I love all animals. It doesn't matter. They don't have to be pets. Okay, uh, I love all animals, believe they should be treated humanely. And um, that's, you know, I'm, I'm committed to doing my part to to have that happen. Yeah. And, you know, it's great to have animal lovers on, on this as well. And you're right, you know, it doesn't have to be a pet. You know, we've got sheep, we've got horses, we've had all different kinds of animals. And most of them actually have been animals that have been discarded by their owners uh, yeah. or they've been found out in... Uh, a superstore car park in the middle of a city, one of the, one of the sheep that we had and just got lost. And, you know, I completely agree with you. They all need to be treated humanely, but also deserve to have a little bit of love and a little bit of care as well. Don't well, so, yeah. you know, yeah, to, to me, it, treating them humanely is the, the, you know, lowest rung common denominator. Absolutely. Yeah. They should be loved as family as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But that's just, you know, I realize not everybody feels that way. So that's why I talk about humane treatment of animals, because I realize not everyone is, you know, absolutely loves them like we do, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but thank you for doing what you're doing and for being such a, a, a wonderful a, uh, animal advocate. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it's it's hard, isn't it? You know, a friend of mine owns uh, an animal sanctuary over on the East Coast here in the UK, and he's rescued tigers, lions, uh, a puma that's only got three legs because the owner didn't look after it very well and they had to amputate the leg because you don't realize do you that some of these you know real huge animals actually a lot of them are kept by private people private individuals 
uh, on their on their homes on their estates you know and they they need that care definitely so yeah. let's get into what we talk about first of all on this podcast what do you drink as part of your normal day bob when you're either writing or you're speaking what is your day day-to-day drink yeah i'm a i'm a coffee drinker um and i i it's interesting i i don't need it to wake up uh and it doesn't keep me up if i have it you know at night Uh, i just love i i guess the taste of it but i just love the feeling of having coffee with me i I don't know why that is but uh i just do yeah and it's interesting a lot of the time i'll have a coffee literally 45 minutes before i go to bed and very often guests have said, oh, I, I couldn't drink coffee after midday because I just wouldn't sleep. <laughs> yeah, I have no problem sleeping when I've had a cup of coffee yeah. at all. No problem at all. So, so what's what's your go-to coffee and, and how do you take your coffee? Well, it's it's Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Um, <sighs> I grew up in the the uh, general Boston, Massachusetts area where that and that's where Dunkin' Donuts was founded. Uh-huh. And um, and they're every you know, they're everywhere on the. I guess the East Coast here, and that they're, well, they're, they're all over the country. And I know they're in different countries, but not not yeah, as yeah. much. They, they don't have as big a presence as they they do um, they do here. But so I, I grew up basically with Dunkin' the donuts and the coffee. They were probably even more well known for donuts when I was growing up, but they've yes. made that shift. So now it's more about uh, uh, about the coffee. As far as what I have in it, um, I have uh, non dairy uh, creamer. Um, the uh you know more you learn about what happens on dairy farms you you realize they're not much better than what happens in factory farms so i don't really want to have any product from a a living uh creature Mm -hmm. so i i have non-dairy uh uh creamer fair enough yeah so i've got to ask a question then and this is a complete curveball to what we would normally talk about but i'd never been to dunkin donuts and we have two that have opened up here in the uk near to where i live and I'm a member of uh, BNI Networking, and I love the the Givers Game. Uh, love BNI, that, which, yeah. Which fits Dr. Very well with, one of my heroes. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, and I we we have a social every month because we meet online. And they said, "Where should we have January social?" And I said, "Do you know what? I I've never been to Dunkin' Donuts." <laughs> so they said, "Well, let's have the let's have the January social for members." At Dunkin Donuts so they have given me that bucket list item of being able to go to Dunkin Donuts and try it so the question I want to ask Bob is if I was going to have a great donut and I know they might be different in different parts of the world but I suspect they're very similar what would be your recommendation of the donut that I could have well so I, I've never I experienced it before <laughs> I, I don't know what it's like in the UK as far as the Dunkin stores and donuts here they used to the big thing about Dunkin' Donuts was they used to have a person in the store, in every store, and they would make the donuts fresh like every four hours. Donuts right. was the big part of Dunkin' Donuts when I was growing up. They stopped that here. So the, the donuts actually at our Dunkin' Donuts now aren't very good. I mean, they're okay, but they're not freshly made. They're yeah. delivered you know, via central. So I, I don't know if in the UK that's different, if they actually put a lot into making their donuts. Now I used to have, uh, you know, my favorites were jelly donuts, uh, chocolate frosted donuts, and then chocolate coconut 
donuts and i'm telling you they were absolutely amazing well um but yeah it's just it's just not the same anymore uh, here you go to duncan basically for coffee and they have other foods now too uh, you know yeah, breakfast yeah. sandwiches and things like that um uh, again i understand why they made the you know the shift but it's it's not the yeah. same duncan that i grew up with uh, interesting uh, when i last heard and i haven't read anything for a while but a, a, a very large uk company bought out you know bought Dunkin Donuts. Really? Uh, I, I don't remember which one it is now, and I apologize. It's been a while since I I read about it. Uh, so I'm I'm surprised there aren't a lot more now in the in yeah, the well, UK. They're, you know, they're certainly growing in number, definitely. And okay, well that's <laughs> yeah. So, so jelly donut and chocolate donut, they're going to be the two on my list. So I'll, uh, I'll I'll drop you a message and let you know how they were. And if they have chocolate coconut, try that one. Chocolate coconut, yeah, that wouldn't yeah, be a so combination I would normally go for. Coconut all over it. And, yeah, and so well, I'll try that. Chocolate, yeah. They had chocolate frosted, which was like an iced, icy kind of chocolate flavor. Oh, just oh, delicious. Yeah, oh, we could talk about that all day long, couldn't we? <laughs> yes, That's we good. could. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, you know, being a hero of your, your book and your books, because obviously, you know, it's not just the go-giver, you know, it's the go-giver leader as well, which is one of my favorites because, you know, I think as leaders, many people get pulled back into that trap of being the go-getter. It's all about the targets. It's all about the hitting the results. But what, what do you think you have seen the change in recent years? Because, you know, we've, we've gone through quite a seismic change in behavior of business people and the way people have worked. What have you seen, Bob, that has been a shift perhaps from go-getters to go-giver or go-giver to go-getter? What, what what kind of things have you seen? Yeah, so I would say this, and, and first I just want to acknowledge that my co-author, John David Mann, is really the lead writer and storyteller. Okay. You know, the, the right. go-giver series could, could never be done without him. I mean, not only is he a great entrepreneur and leader himself, but what a writer. So I'm very grateful for, for John. Um, we would also probably say say this just in 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 terms of of um of the words we use um and i don't think we did a great job of explaining this part we should have if i if i if there's one regret that i have it's that we didn't um make a bigger thing out of this and that is that we also love go-getters in terms of people who take action you know, if you look at a go-getter as yeah. someone who takes action, right? We know that in business, uh, you can have the nicest thoughts, best ideas, the greatest of intent, but without action being put into the mix, nothing's going to happen. So we, we like to say, be a go-getter, a person of action, and a go-giver, someone who's absolutely laser-focused on providing immense value to others. And that's a great combination. We would say the opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker. And that's mm. that person who feels entitled, if you will, to take, take, take without having added value to the other person, to the process, to the situation. Or that leader who's so yeah. focused on themselves, who wants to take the credit, who wants to be the deal, you know, who wants to be right and, and so forth. But we didn't do a good job explaining that. And I, I think we kind of just assumed people would understand it. And, and, and no, we, we didn't make it clear. Yeah. Um, so um but but yeah as far as what i've what i've seen change uh i mean i think there's so many great books out there on leadership today and i i think there's been a you know a 
a change in leadership consciousness, not as fast or as complete as it should be, because we still read that, and I don't know if this is necessarily true or not, but it, it's not hard to believe that, you know, 75% of today's employees, corporate employees feel disengaged, you know, from their company, from their job, from their, their work. And that's much too high. I mean, it should be zero, of course, but, but I mean, to be 75, with all we know about leadership today, yeah. And with all the great books and, and speakers and authors like John Maxwell and, uh, you know, Bob Chapman and, and just I mean, just so many, uh, you know, today's leader should really just know that not only is is placing your employees first, placing those on your team first, placing your customers first, placing, you know, uh, making sure you're focused on providing value to every stakeholder that you can. Not only should they realize that that's a more fulfilling way of conducting business, I'm not even talking about that. It's the most profitable way to run a business. Sure. Because when your employees feel engaged, when they have autonomy, uh, when they have a sense of ownership of their job, right? Uh, when they are able to gain skills and mastery that make them feel good about themselves and about what they're doing, when they're able to feel as though they work for a place that is not just a job, but is a cause, but is something they can take pleasure and pride in, they're so much more engaged and they're going to give so much more of themselves. Yeah, it's yeah. really a win for everyone involved. And, and uh, you know, to me at this point, again, there's so much great material out there. I can't believe that, that leaders as a whole haven't just, you know, sopped that up and embraced and, and I it. Think, I, th I think you're so right there, Bob. And particularly in today's you know, job and workplace, when it comes to retention, you know, we're struggling to recruit people. We're struggling to get the right people. So why wouldn't we do our best to keep the amazing people that we've already got? And yeah, you know, that's such a, a shame that we lose so many great people within our business. Mm -hmm. And very often mm -hmm. we turn a great employee into a pretty poor or average employee over a period. And that's such a shame. Yeah. Oh, agree. absolutely. So you, you gave credit to your, your co-author there. And, you know, for me, I also want to give him credit because I love a book which talks through a story. Mm. I love parables, you know, um, and the the book very much takes you through a journey. And one of my favorite authors is Donald Miller as well. Uh, oh. He's building the story branding. I think he really hammered that home to people into business that you connect through a yeah. story. What was your decision like when you decided to take the content and share it in that story format? Because I've never really asked an author that question of how you take something that's content-based and turn it into something that's story-based. How did that dynamic work? Yeah, so my first book many years ago, back in the mid-90s, was called Endless Referrals, and the subtitle was Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. And it was really, it was a how-to book yeah. um, that was really for entrepreneurs and salespeople who knew they had a great product or service, they knew it brought immense value to others, but they didn't necessarily feel comfortable going out into their local communities and developing those kinds of relationships where people would want to do business with them directly and refer them to others. The, 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 the basic premise of the book was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. So it was, 
you know, it was a, a successful book, but it was a how-to book. And like you, I always loved reading parables. And since I'd been in sales, I loved reading parables, you know, whether it was Ogmandino's uh, greatest salesman in the world or Klassen's um, uh, richest man in Babylon or, oh, yeah. uh, you, know, you know, all the great, great, you know, parables and stories. And then in the the uh, eight, early 80s uh, is when I think Drs. Blanchard and, and Johnson came along with the one-minute series, one-minute manager, one-minute, you know, this, one-minute, they, they, all wonderful books. Uh, now you've got these days John Gordon and so, so many, so many people, Andrea Waltz, Richard Fenton. So I, I'd always thought, wouldn't it be great if we could take that basic premise of endless referrals and put it in story form, right? You know, as okay. we know, stories connect and they yeah. connect on a deeper heart to heart level with the reader and it's right. And um, I, I, and now I can tell a story from stage. I, I'm a speaker, that's what I do. Mm. But uh, but that's different than a work of, of fiction, which is what a business parable is, even though it's based on universal laws, principles and so forth, it's still a work of fiction. And that's not my, my strength zone. Um, but fortunately, I, I met John David Mann because he was the editor-in-chief of a magazine I was writing a monthly column for back in the early uh -huh. 2000s. And so at one point, you know, I put down some very basic ideas about the book and thoughts about it, but nothing really there. But I shared it with John and I said, you know, I've got this idea and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to be the co-author. Even back then, John had a fantastic reputation as a great writer. It was just within a, a, a very small, a much smaller niche. Fortunately, I, I knew him, you know, yeah, yeah. and so, uh, you know, he was still, you know, he was busy at the time. But as he told his, his well, at that time, his fiance Anna, now his, his uh, wife, uh, he said, you know, it's not really something I'm that interested in doing, but you know, it's Bob, you know, how can I just not at least listen to the idea, right? So uh, he and Anna were down, they live in Massachusetts, actually, Western Massachusetts, but they were visiting her mom in uh, Western Florida, the, the other side of the state. And uh, so one uh, one day they took a four hour drive over here to, to Jupiter, Florida, where I live on the East Coast. Um, we, we had about a three hour dinner discussing the idea and even then, it, it took about three weeks uh, until he called me and said, you know, I think we got something here. Let's do this. So that that's really how it happened. And it, wow. the, the, the hard part wasn't writing the parable, because, again, he's so great at doing that. You know, he did the heavy lifting. It was a, a joy to work with him. It was that we got turned down by 24 New York publishing houses before the 25th one said <laughs> yes. And they turned out to be a great publishing partner. And, you know, that's kind of how it happened. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure he's very grateful as well because you know you've sold more than one million copies of that in thirty different languages. Yeah, so I mean, what an expansion of an audience for the two as well, and really fits with how many people you can serve, doesn't it? As well, if you're distributing that many copies, the yeah. the impact that you will have on those people and the people that they share it with. You know, I've got one copy, but I share the principles of your book with four or five other people you know probably every month so the exponential impact of that is really fitting with the, the go-giver philosophy as well so sure thank you. you you also mentioned when i was reading your bio that you've got an online community network what hmm. kind of transition has that been for you and how have you found the online community to embrace the principles that you talk through 
Well, the online community has embraced it very uh, strongly because the you know it's it's the same principles as whether it's in person or online. But the yep. the neat thing is, you know, for me, it's a joy doing it online now. I'm I'm 65. I'm almost 66 years old, so I'm I'm no longer on the road speaking. Uh, I yeah. still do, uh, you know, keynotes and so forth virtually through, you know, the computer right here, but um, but I'm not on the road. So to me, it's now all, pretty much all my business is online. So yeah. um, so that's been a that's been a, online has been a gift you know, for me. Yeah. But um, but yeah, we've had good, good reception to it. And uh, my business partner, Kathy Tajanel and I and Kathy's just a, a genius and, and, and she really put put together and systemized it that we were able to develop a what we call the go-giver success alliance online mentorship community right. and uh so it's really a bunch of you know successful people that all come together and every week we have a zoom call at at uh uh rachel's famous coffee house and of course rachel was you know okay. the, in the in the story and yeah and and throughout the series of books we see rachel's copy growing <laughs> as a, and sure. so forth so uh, but so you know so we meet it at rachel's virtual coffee house uh and it's really been a lot of fun it's it's uh, personally it's my favorite hour of the week when we do that yeah. because it's just such a, a a wonderful group and you know without it being online that that could never really happen Wouldn't happen no and and what difference has that made to you but what has that given you because you know for me Doing things online has given me time. It's certainly cut my fuel costs down and my travel expenses down. But what kind of difference has that shift made for you personally? What do you do with either the time or the energy uh, or the headspace that that releases? Um, you know, that's a great question. Um, I, it has freed me up to, to be able to. So, you know, I'm an avid reader. So I could I could be happy. I could tell you the bookshelf behind you. Yeah, yeah, and that's just one one shelf in my home library. I always say my my home is comprised of books with some scattered furniture. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I could. I, so it gives me a lot more time to to read, which I I really love to do. Um, so yeah, so it's a it's kind of a fun way to you know still make a living even in my I guess semi retirement. I'll never never actually retire. I love it too much, you know, to want to yeah. do that. And so you're giving me a great final question uh, when it comes to authors. So I'll come back to the uh, the books, etc. in a moment then. So if people want to find out more about you, more about the online community, etc., where do people that are listening to this need to go? Where can where can we direct them to best? <laughs> well, everything's at Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. And the first thing they'll see when they, they go online is a little uh, pop-up-y thing that says um, that they can subscribe to my daily impact uh, uh, email, which yep. is a real, which is kind of a short, succinct uh, jolt to get the day started. And usually at the end of that, we give information about some of the different things we have going on, such as the Success Alliance, our Kathy and I have a... Um, uh, go giver what we call beyond the mastermind event that we hold. Actually, that's a, that is a live program, but it's right here in Jupiter, Florida, okay. uh, at a local hotel. So I still get to sleep in my own bed, which is great. Nice. No planes, no hotels other than where the meeting is. And so all the things, all the resources that we, that we have are, is, is at berg.com. Yeah. Great. So many of the people listening to this will be, people who are entrepreneurs that generally are looking after themselves, but looking after other people as well. And you know, that very much is the audience that we have. And 
I know one of your beliefs is about making the amount of money proportional to the number of people that you serve. Sure. So what I'd like you to perhaps give the listeners today is a tip or lesson that perhaps you would like to share with them that can help them serve differently or in a more deeper way. Well, you know, this all depends on what the person does. But, you know, aside from the intrinsic value of someone's product or service, in other words, just by the very nature of of what that person's product or service does, I assume they add immense value to people's lives. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in business, right? Because nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet or because you need the money or for that matter, even just because you're a really nice person. People are gonna buy from you, they're gonna do business with you because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. So regardless of what you do for a living, you're giving them more in value, okay, which is relative, okay, value, than what they're paying. Uh, again, otherwise they wouldn't, they wouldn't buy from you. But aside from that intrinsic value, You've got to be able to provide such a wonderful experience for that person. This is what separates you. This is what distinguishes you from everyone else else who has a similar product, or even if yours is a little better or your service is a little better. Remember, until and unless your prospective customer understands the difference between any two product services or providers, okay, they don't they don't know the difference. And unless they can distinguish, then it's always going to come down to who has the lowest price. And, you know, unless your last name is, is, uh, you know, Amazon.com, that's probably not a, you know, selling on low price is probably not a a very good way to do business. It's not, it's not productive. It's not profitable. And it's certainly not sustainable. We always say when you sell on low price, you're a commodity. When you sell on high value, you're a resource. So the question is, how do you distinguish yourself? And the the short answer is, you've got to be, you have got to be that additional value to that person. So then the question becomes, well, how do you do that? Well, the good news is there are dozens, if not hundreds of ways to communicate that additional value, that extrinsic value over and above the product or service itself, okay? So, but they tend to come down to five, what we call elements of value that allow you to do that. And those five elements are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And to the degree that you can communicate one or more, hopefully all five of those elements of value at every single touch point, from the moment you first meet that person, whether it's something inbound, whether it's outbound, however you're doing it outbound or meeting someone at a local place or over the phone or through some, however it happens to be that you first connect with that person. Through the um, relationship building process, the follow-up process, the follow-through process, the sales process, the referral process, to the degree that you're able to communicate those elements of value, that's the degree that you take low price and your competition out of the picture. Okay. That's how you add more value. Now, how do you add more value to more people? And this is where referrals 
really come into play. And of course, as you mentioned, BNI is, you know, the master at, you know, in or having an organization that can help you build the relationships with the other members that can allow you to do that. Now, outside of BNI, you still need to be able to, to do that. Absolutely. And the reason why I think referrals are so important is, you know, I, I think there are many benefits of working with referred prospects, but just right off the top, one, it's easier to set the appointment with a referred prospect. You're going in on borrowed influence, yeah. right? Two, price is less of an issue. Now that doesn't mean it's a non-issue or not an issue, but it's less mm -hmm. of an issue. Why? Again, borrowed influence. You go in with a sense of a sort of gravitas because this other person has already told them about you, who you are, what you do, how you do it. And so you're able to, again, sell on high value rather than low price. Third benefit of a referred prospect is it's easier to complete the sale. Why? This is through borrowed trust or what we call vicarious experience. In other words, no, this person has never done business with you personally, okay? But someone who they know, like, and trust has said, this is the only person you need to work with. This person, the product or service is great. They know what they're doing. They they care about you. They have your well-being at heart. The company stands behind, right? And that's, yeah. that's powerful. And then the fourth benefit is that referred prospects are already of the mindset that that's how you do business because that's how they met you. So to them and their model of the world, you meet your prospects through referrals, you sell on high value rather than low price, sure. you complete the transaction, and then you are referred to others. And that's how you serve more people where you impact more lives with that exceptional value you provide. Yeah. I, and it's interesting very quickly, you know, I come from construction and we talk a lot about health and safety and accidents and claims. And I talk about vicarious liability. Well, I've got a new <laughs> phrase there, vicarious experience. I think that's, that's my two words from today, as well as perhaps go sitter, somebody who just sits around, doesn't do the action. So coming to the final question, uh, Bob, as we wrap this up, if you were to have your next coffee, from Dunkin' Donuts, and perhaps you might even be sat in Dunkin' Donuts, with one of your favorite authors that you have that you enjoy to read, fictional or business, where would that Dunkin' Donuts be and who would you be sat with? You've mentioned oh. so many authors. My The lady who does my show notes is going to have an absolute pickle when she hears how many authors you talk about, because we always like to list them down. But who would that favorite author be? Wow. Uh... Boy, let's see. That's that's a tough one because there are so many that I enjoy uh, so much. There's a uh, there's a guy in, and I think he lives on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and his name is unfortunately escaping me right now. And I've read like fourteen of his books. Uh, he writes a, and, and this is um, actually it's a he's a mystery. A thriller writer, okay. but he writes it about a dog uh, from the viewpoint of a dog. It's about a detective uh -huh. named Bernie Little and his his dog, his partner Chet, and yeah. the story is told through through Chet's eyes, and it's absolutely some of the most brilliant writing I have ever read. It's, first, it's hysterical, and if you again, if you love animals, you're gonna love you're gonna love yeah, yeah. this. But you know the 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 titles are. Uh, you know, are all kind of related to to dogs like 
dog dog on it instead of dog on it or you yeah, know yeah. Uh, yeah. uh and you know what and i and i want to to just i i, I don't like to be multitasking and i apologize <laughs> okay. um but let me let me look because they're in the uh they're they're in the other room uh i'm gonna i'm gonna do it oh spencer quinn is spencer his quinn. name yeah spencer quinn is so the spencer author quinn. so you've got like up on the rooftop instead of up on the rooftop or gotcha. bark to the future instead of back to the future. And, um, oh, it, 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 it's just absolutely brilliant. So yes, I would like to, I would love to, to have, have coffee with him and yeah. just, uh, talk to him about how he, how he does that, how he manages to get inside the, the head and mind of a dog in such a, a, a unique and am amazing way. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Mister is one of the favourite authors uh, that I have. I don't read many fictional books, but when I do, it's Harlan Coben, and I love his books. And it's purely because of the different way and different style that he writes as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I've, and I've, I've heard that name and I've heard great things. Um, yeah, I don't read a lot of fiction myself, and for many years I read no fiction. But in the last few years now, I've I've tried to do that more because again, it's just I've got more time to do it. Time. So it, yeah, yeah. And John David Mann is actually the one who turned me on to Spencer Quinn and the Chet and Bernie books. And I I read the first one, and I just kept buying one after the other after the other. And now I'm caught up on the series. By the way, <laughs> well, that's it. We're all heading off there now. Uh, thank you for being an amazing guest. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I really do value everything that you said. And listeners, you've got quite a task now because I would suggest that what you need to do is listen to this podcast two or three times because there are so many nuggets, the five elements, the vicarious experience, the go-getter, you know, everything that Bob has talked about. I think you need to go through this two or three times just to get the amount of value that Bob very aptly has given to us. So make sure you do that. And of course, leave us a review and tell us what you thought of it. It's been an absolute pleasure, Bob. Thank you. It's been a joy. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you. Thank you.